Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. It's Farmer Friday. If you'd like to call into the show, our phone lines will be open all throughout the show. The number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on X, Ag PhD Media, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag here in just a second. Before we do, I just want to let you know we do have a couple of upcoming Ag PhD winter workshops. In just a couple of weeks, we've got a naturals clinic or naturals workshop, and then a soybean workshop as well, where we'll talk through all our best tips to help you raise the best soybeans you've ever had on the farm and hopefully make some money at it as well. I was just talking to a farmer yesterday who said, yeah, I might go a few more beans just because the corn price isn't as good and beans are a little less expensive to raise and I've been raising some good bean yields. So anyway, uh, soybeans have, if you look at the acres across the United States in the last 40 years, they have grown tremendously. It's an interesting crop. It's a fun crop, but it's a lot different than the grass crops, corn and wheat. So be sure to check out the Ag PhD Soybean Workshop. Uh, the Soybean Workshop's on February 8th. The Naturals Workshop is the day before on February 7th. Just go to agphd to, uh, agphd.com to learn more about any of our upcoming events. Um, and i got to mention the Ag PhD Field Day next summer, too. It's always the last Thursday in July. So got all that information for you on agphd.com. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag right now. All right, first question comes in from Ryan. He said, I, I don't have the greatest soil. It's pretty light. Uh, we're shooting for around 135 bushel corn. My question's on the micronutrients. Uh, obviously, we have to get the NPK sulfur out there, but does it still pay to put the micros on even in this low-yield environment? Well, it all depends on what your soil looks like. So if you are terribly short on zinc or copper, for example, absolutely. So, oh, oh, and I mean, we talk about boron, manganese, iron. I mean, micronutrients are very important. The good news is if your yield goal is 135, as opposed to, let's just say it's 180. At 135, you need less NP and K. You also need less for micronutrients. So you do save some money on the fertility there. But yeah, you still need micronutrients. And I don't know, it's it's possible without looking at your soil tests, I I'm just guessing here, but it's certainly possible that one of the micronutrients could be your yield limiting factor in any given year on any particular acre. So you definitely want to take a look at micronutrients, even if your yield goal isn't 300 bushel corn or anything like that. So you can still grow it. You just have to be smart about what you're doing, what you're spending. All right. Thanks for the question. This one comes from Paul. He's asking about smut in corn. Uh, he says, what causes corn smut and is there any way to get it under control? <laughs> well, it's a fungal disease. And where we usually see it is when we have drought or hail or something that has damaged the crop. For example, uh, when so it, when we have, I don't remember, what did we used to call that deer? An iron blight or something, mechanical <laughs> yeah. damage. You know, <laughs> if somebody is uh, running over the crop a little more than they should. I mean, there are a variety of things that can, can lead to this. But basically what happens is you've, 
put a whole bunch of stress on that plant. Again, whether it's hail, drought, heck, even super wet soil. I mean, once that plant is under tremendous stress, then it's just more susceptible to getting that particular fungus. The thing is, in a lot of areas, corn smut only shows up once every 20 or 30 years. Now, if you have it on a regular basis, well, that stinks. Uh, crop rotation does help, but those sp- those spores can live in the soil for a number of years. Now, Vitavax seed treatment, it's an old product. We used to use that years ago. It is labeled for control, believe it or not, Vitavax. Zyway has been labeled for suppression. And here's the thing. Certain hybrids are a little more susceptible than others, but the problem is the testing for that is not, I would say, super extensive. For example, Goss's wilt for a while, horrible issue through much of the Midwestern United States. So they were literally in... uh, getting Goss's wilt onto almost every hybrid out there to test it. Well, with smut, since it shows up so rarely, I don't know of anybody that's doing that. So where I'm going with this is, I mean, you might say, well, I planted this hybrid the last three years and never had a problem. Yeah, but it might still be somewhat susceptible to corn smut. I just don't know. And this is also why we encourage you typically to plant lots of different varieties just to spread your risk. On our farm, the last time we had any smut, uh, I mean, of any consequence, was probably 20 or 25 years ago. I just remember the black cloud in, uh, I think it was a 37-acre field of ours down by the river. One variety. I don't know why it was so bad. Never seen it that bad before. Never seen it that bad since. All right. Uh, question from Jared here. He said, how quickly... Do nitrosomonas bacteria repopulate after using a nitrogen stabilizer that suppresses them for a while? And what factors influence this rate? Uh, obviously, there's there's a lot of different things there, Jared. There isn't like you're not putting it on and it works for exactly 35 days every time or something like right. that. These are the bacteria that convert ammonium to nitrite, and that can... Uh, I'll take it out of that nice, stable form to an unstable form. And so many of the nitrogen stabilizers that uh, are nitrification inhibitors will reduce that and uh, or will, will reduce their activity. And they'll say two weeks at least, but sometimes they'll get several weeks out of it. The big factor is temperature. Yep. If the soil stays cold, these things work longer, and it takes longer for those bacteria to repopulate so if you're out there in the fall and it's cooling down uh, awesome that's great if you're out there in the early spring it's great but yeah as soon as everything starts warming up fast just like everything else in your soil all the soil life really gets a lot more active so they're not going to last as long hey thanks for the question it is farmer friday on our show today stay tuned we'll be right back It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. 
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. How can Naturals products help you raise bigger and better crops? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Biologicals, or naturals as we call them, are impacting every facet of agriculture today, and that will only grow in the future. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals workshop, Wednesday, February 7th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of Naturals products, and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. If you look close enough, you can see the hidden potential within your fields. That's why an agro-liquid nutrition plan starts with the crop and identifies the precise combination of primary nutrients while focusing on the support of secondary and micronutrients. So every nutrient is working in harmony for your crop to reach its full potential, maximizing growth while offering lower use rates. Apply less, expect more, precisely. Find an agroliquid dealer at agroliquid.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today on a Farmer Friday. If you want to call into the show, phone lines are open right now, 844-44-AG-PHD, or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We've been getting a lot of questions into the Ag PhD mailbag. We're going to get back to those in a little bit, but right now we are going to go back to phone lines. Got Brandon Whiff on with us. He is Commodity Classic co-chair and a member of the American Soybean Association. Brandon, how are you doing today? Doing well. Good to talk to you. You bet. Uh, thanks for calling in. So Commodity Classic, tell us just a little about it, uh, dates for this year and where it's at. Yeah, we'll start with the dates because my wife told me last time we talked, uh, that was the one thing we neglected to include. So, yeah, let's <laughs> tell the people. It's February 28th through March 2nd. Okay. And I just want to point out that this is one of those years where God gives us an extra day, February 29th. We think that uh, spending it with us in Houston would be just a great choice for, for farmers to make with that free day they get of their year. <laughs> now, when you talk about an extra day, I I had neglected to even look at this with Commodity Classic because I've been to it for so many years, and it was always Thursday and Friday and Saturday morning where it was the trade show time. Well, now the trade show starts on Wednesday afternoon. Why did you guys make the switch? Well, there was actually several things that go into that. Um, some, you know, kind of a one-time opportunities for us to partner with industry that uh, we needed to move the schedule around a little bit for to accommodate uh, some of the extra events that'll be happening behind the scenes at Classic. We're going to have a lot of exciting uh, new products that are being released by a lot of different companies, and so we wanted to provide an opportunity for them to have. Uh, some some alone time with like their dealers, for instance, on the trade show floor, and that'll be early on Wednesday. Then once that wraps up, we're going to open the trade show floor for everyone at, at 3 p.m. Like you said, and that is kind of a new first thing for us. But we're really excited about that because that allows us to uh, really get things going and two full days on Thursday and Friday, and then Saturday is really everyone's day to to do with what they want, and and the trade show will be over by then. So yeah, it, it definitely. Good catch something that we've changed but we're really excited about it for someone who's never been to commodity classic 
what's your best pitch on why they should go? Well, you have many choices for the different farm shows that you can attend. Most of them that we go to in farm country are local, regional shows that are supported mainly by the local dealers, right? The local dealer will be there with inventory, uh, you know, from their local stores, and their team of salesmen are there to answer any questions. Our show is a little different. We're supported by the corporations themselves in the sense that if John Deere has a booth, they are bringing people from John Deere corporate. They're bringing, you're going to talk to their engineers. You're going to talk to the decision makers there. You're going to be able to hear firsthand on things that are driving decisions for them. Uh, and so it, really our attendees get to kind of talk directly to the source at, these, uh, at, at our type of trade show. And that's why we think that what, what we offer is, is just a little, it's a cut above the, the farm shows that we're, that we're kind of used to. Yeah, I'm pretty lucky. I get to talk to the head people in many of the best ag companies in our country every single year. And I can just tell you that what you're saying, it, it's absolutely true because it, being at Commodity Classic so many times, it's quite often where I either run into those people or they say, hey, Brian, I'm going to be there, so why don't you come over and talk to me? Well, you don't get the chance to do that, like you said, at a lot of the more local or regional shows. I mean, there are a lot of the top decision makers in some of the best ag companies, so I think it's pretty fun. All right, Brandon, uh, leave us with a couple other things about Commodity Classic. Why else should a farmer attend? Well, this year we're, we're really proud to be partnering with the Houston Rodeo that's happening at the same time. So on Saturday... Uh, we've been able to partner with them to offer uh, an experience to our attendees. However, I will say that if you want to get in on that, you do need to get registered and get signed up because I found out this morning we're very close to sold out on the tickets that we have secured for the Houston Rodeo. And Hardy is going to be headlining the concert at the end of the day. He's an award-winning country artist that I think uh, a lot of people are really, really excited to hear him. I've heard a lot of good things there. Um, and, you know, Houston. It's the first time we've ever been to the city. I think if you were going to make this your first commodity classic, you'd be you'd do really well to do so because it's just it's a fun city. We've got a lot of first time opportunities, brand new things. Uh, if if you've ever thought about attending classic, I really think that uh, Houston 2024 is going to be the best choice for you. Brandon, thanks a lot for calling in today. Again, just go to commodityclassic.com and you can learn more about this great event. Commodity Classic, it's in Houston, Texas, February 28th through March 2nd. Brandon, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. All right, up next, we got Roman Grinishin on right now, our, our friend over in the Ukraine. Roman, how are you doing? Uh, hello, I'm fine, thank you. Just arrived to Poland on my way back to Ukraine. From the United States of America. Yeah, nice I heard to hear you. I heard you were over here, and uh, uh, yeah, hope to see you next time that you're over in our country. I, I hear you've got a big conference coming up here on farming systems, tillage versus not doing tillage, different kinds of tillage. Uh, talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah, so uh, within uh, our foundation, World Rebuild Rural Ukraine, uh, we are trying to help the farmers, the small and medium farmers, who actually are all the village citizens uh, in any way we can. So rebuilding the houses, providing them with equipment, with farm animals, and also education. As you know, not many experts and uh, uh, consultants are willing to go to Ukraine for the well-known reasons. So uh, the only option right now is left uh, is online. So we invited over 18 uh, famous in their own spe specializations 
um, uh, people, scientists and uh, practical people all over the world. And we want to enhance the topic root versus iron. That is going to be done in English. And that is going to be uh, the, the, like the latest information uh, provided from the people who are involved in these uh, developments. And uh, what we are looking for is the outreach. So uh, Ukrainian farmers will get this information translated. However, anyone throughout the world, and especially we would be honored to have the audience from the North America, uh, to, to join, to listen, and uh, that's actually at no cost. If, if there is a desire to donate towards our foundation, we would be great, but still, uh, it is a matter of uh, educating and saying thank you, because we, the Ukrainians, are indeed very grateful to our allies for all the help that we are getting in this survival battle. And there has been a ton. There have been a lot of uh, just small family farmers reaching out, making donations to, to help the, the same in the Ukraine. Small family farmers try to rebuild uh, when they've get caught up in all the conflict. And uh, org. that's World to Rebuild Rural Ukraine. Uh, is a great place you can find some more information and, and kind of keep up what's going on with farming over there. Obviously, Ukraine is is just a key agricultural region as well, Roman. We really count on, uh, well, the whole world counts on production of food from there. Correct. And by the way, interesting fact, uh, in 2021, Ukraine produced a little bit less than 100 million metric tons of produce. That's farming all our land. And, uh, of course, you know that Russia has occupied about 20% of the total territory, which equals the same 20% of farmland. Uh, last year, we approached 87 million metric tons, which it means like a body. If some organ is not working, the other organs substitute for it. So we are indeed doing our best to supply the world with the same amount of produce that it needs even though we have our own problems in our field. So with your help and with God's help. Yes, for sure. Uh, again, uh, for everyone interested in what's going on over in Ukraine, the website WRRU.org, World to Rebuild Rural Ukraine. You can find out about this upcoming conference here, Root versus Iron, uh, talking about different tillage systems. It's uh, over 20 hours of intensive training education with uh, multiple speakers. Roman mentioned uh, 18 or more uh, internationally known speakers speaking in English. Uh, so it's uh, it's free, and if you want to make a donation to help farmers out in Ukraine, uh, that's what Roman does. He works directly with farmers to help them get back on their feet after uh, what's happened there and what the actions Russia's taken in Ukraine as well. Well, stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. 
Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. For the smallest investment with the biggest impact on yield, upgrade your planter with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. To see how we stack up against the competition at a fraction of the cost, call us at 712-520-6051. Join us in Houston for Commodity Classic, America's largest farmer-led, farmer-focused agricultural and educational event, New Frontiers in Agriculture, February 28th through March 2nd, 2024. Houston, we have no problem. How can you make more profit from your soybeans this year? I'm Darren Hefty. We'll answer that question at our free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop Thursday, February 8th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep into your best options for control of yield robbing pests, trade options including ExtendFlex and Enlist, Fertility, and much more. If you want to make raising beans more lucrative and more fun, come to the free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. The hardworking, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio on a Farmer Friday. I had a couple of uh, questions that got sent in already. Talk about that website one more time for Ukraine. It's wruu.org. You can find more information about what Roman's doing there, what his organization is doing to help farmers, uh, and other programs they got going on right now. And of course, if if you want to uh, get involved in that, uh, there's opportunities there on their website as well. Uh, let's head down to Western Kansas. We've got John on with us right now. How's it going, John? Oh, pretty good. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. What you working on today? Oh, we're just in the shop. Got a couple of trailers we're working on. I uh, got somebody coming and do some spray foam insulation here in a little bit. It's kind of trying to do some things indoors and stay out of the mud. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the challenge. I know Brian and I grew up with a cow-calf operation here that it seemed like there was always mud and we were always doing something to, to try and make their life a, a little bit better out there too. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, the mud. How big a deal is that right now? Is it is it a spot where it's a, a real challenge for the cattle at this point or, or no big deal? 
Uh, it kind of depends on where you're at. Um, our herd, we don't have not started calving yet, so most of them are still out on pastures or stocks. Um, feed yard, cattle in there, we've got we got the pens all cleaned up before we got the rain and snow and everything. So they're a little sloppy, but they're not deep. So we're, we're not in too bad a shape, a little bit of sunshine to kind of dry things off. Wouldn't, wouldn't be a bad thing though. Yeah. I would sure take some sunshine now too. It's just been icy up where we're at. We're just, just at the wrong temperature here that, that ice is a big issue. How'd you turn out this last year? Do you, did you get in uh, enough moisture to, to get a decent crop or, or were you just missing it every time? We had a decent crop. Um, we were kind of living rain to rain for quite a while. And the heat came in there into July, beginning of August, really zapped things. But we're sitting in a spot here where we started catching a little bit, of, a little few more showers. And then late, we got some rain. So not what everybody wanted, but we raised something, which, you know, and considering the year, um, I, I think we did okay. Yeah, is there enough feed for the cattle, or is there a lot of feed coming into the area from from other areas right now? Is it about normal, or or is that changed? That is one thing in this area. Um, everybody had a pretty good feed crop. Good. So, uh, especially even going west, a lot of guys in the spring started planting um, extra oats and sedan grass and things to really it really rebuilt our feed stocks out here in western kansas which was good and um we had enough moisture that you know corners things maybe didn't make grain but they made enough forage that they got chopped and so feed wise most everybody's in pretty decent shape awesome so going into this year then what's the what's the crop plan is it a normal plan or do you you mix things up a little bit based on markets and needs it's normal plan. Um, we've kind of got our rotation where we do winter wheat followed by either sorghum or silage feed. We start doing some corn and then we go into fallow. Um, with all the rain we've had, a few people are switching some acres from milo over to corn. Um, at least down here where we're at, we've got pretty good subsoil. We are in far better shape this year than we were last year. And I think that's, it's got everybody in a lot better mood anyways. Yeah. Yeah. That really helps. I know my dad always said we're a dry land farm and uh, my dad would always say that too. If we're in good shape with the subsoil moisture, at least we're going to get a crop this year. At least we got a good shot. Uh, now we obviously need some timely rain during the year too, to, to really make it great. But uh, that's good to hear. It's not always the case in Western Kansas. So glad you guys were able to, to replenish, build up those feed crops uh, and feed supplies a little bit and, and hopefully start this year off. Well, John, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on and, and good luck to you this spring. Yeah, you too. Uh, Brian had a question come in. Uh, This one's from Adam. He said, all right, guys, uh, there's a lot of talc and graphite type products out there and starting to see some of the biologicals going in those products too. I've heard you talk about graphite not necessarily being the best. Uh, Just kind of curious, what kind of survival do you see on those microbials? What concerns would you have? Uh, And then also, uh, would you put the, the talc graphite product on and then have it run through a Uh, seed tender into your planter do you just do it right in the planter Uh, talk to us about some of those things uh, concerns you may have yeah so 
it's a little bit like seed. I'll put it this way. When Darren and I were growing up on the farm, I just remember there was one day we were loading, I don't remember if it was corn or soybean bags into the pickup, and I took a bag, threw it in the pickup, hits the metal uh, of the pickup bed, and immediately our dad is yelling at me like, hey, you're killing my seed. I'm like, what? I just put the bag in the pickup. Come on. And he goes, no, just don't ever forget. Seed is a living, breathing organism. You've got to keep it alive all the way until you get it in the ground and it gets started germinating. Otherwise, you got a problem. We just wasted a whole bunch of money. And so I, I just remember he's like, okay, here, I'm going to show you how to set it in into the pick up and I'm going to show you how to set it on the ground like on a pallet when we had to stack it on pallets because if you don't take the time and you just throw it well all of a sudden you killed some seed so it's kind of the same thing with the biologicals now obviously I mean there are differences here but the thing is with the biologicals they're alive now they may be dormant for now but still they are living and if you do something to kill them then obviously you're not going to get performance and you wasted your money. So when we talk about graphite, this is something I didn't realize that, hey, graphite can kill a lot of these microbes. So that's not good because we've tried, we do all kinds of research and we had tried mixing different biiologicals with graphite and dead. They were dead. Yeah. So if it we doesn't take them, very long. If we mix them up in advance. Right. If you're doing it, like you're talking about right in the planter or just at the last minute, that's your best chance for yes. maximum survival. Yes. So, and it, this kind of goes along with, we have this discussion all the time with the liquid products. If you have water and you have chlorine, well, the chlorine's going to kill that microbe. And that happens much quicker than the graphite killing the microbe in this other case. So anyway, with these talc graphite mixes, we're great with using them as long as the biological get, gets mixed in at the last minute. And I don't care how you do it if you want to run it through an auger um, or, you know, seed conveyor. If you want to dump it on right in the tank, right in the, um, right in the box on your planter, whatever, it's fine. It's just you got to get it planted soon. If you leave it mixed up for very long, and I don't know exactly what the time is. I don't remember uh, in our research how long it took, but I don't think it took very long. Yeah, once you're in the soil, hours, once you're in the soil, you're, you're pretty good. Yes. But if you had the graphite mixed together with things for a long time, your chance of uh, mortality on many of those microbes is pretty high. Yep. So just always be careful. Whatever you're mixing with any microbial product, talk to the manufacturer of the microbial. Hopefully they've done the research and they can tell you, oh, yeah, don't put it with this or don't put it with that. And we are seeing more of that type of research done, thankfully, because, I, I, I mean, otherwise there are lots of companies that just want to sell you something and you don't know wh whether or not you're going to get performance. You get to the end of the year, you're disappointed. And then all of a sudden that tarnishes the name of every microbial product. Well, honestly, we've, we have been doing so much research on all these microbes here over the last few years. There are a lot of products that work if you put them in the right situation, if you put them in the right water, if you don't kill them before they get the chance to work. 
All right. Um, another question with Adam. He had a second part here, Brian. So I'll, I'll throw it out to you, and then we can get to it right after yep. this this next break. So I want to also wanted to ask you guys about phosphorus. You talked about Brian wanted to see a hundred parts per million of phosphorus on his tests when he's shooting for three hundred bushel corn. Well, on your fertilizer removal app, three hundred bushel corn pulls one hundred and fifty three pounds of phosphate out of the ground. One hundred and five removed, forty eight for stover. I just want to talk about. Uh, that because it seems like a lot of phosphate phosphate in the soil uh, to shoot for that goal. Would you really need that much? You know, we'll discuss phosphate and, and target levels coming up right after this. Stay tuned. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings, experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids, extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Are you ready for better efficiency, more productivity, higher yields? Then you're ready for John Deere Precision Technology, which starts with three core pieces. First, a G5 display gives fast views of your work and a window to future technology. A Starfire receiver gives you sub-inch repeatable accuracy without an RTK base station. And a JD-Link modem gives you a live view of your entire operation. Get precise and talk with your John Deere dealer or visit johndeere.com backslash basic. How can Naturals products help you raise bigger and better crops? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Biologicals, or naturals as we call them, are impacting every facet of agriculture today, and that will only grow in the future. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals workshop, Wednesday, February 7th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of Naturals products, and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, along with my, bro- my brother Darren. 
We are broadcasting from the Morton studio on a Farmer Friday. If you want to call into the show, it's 844-44-AG-PHD or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. So right before the break, Darren posed this question that had come in from Adam. He said, hey, during your soils clinic, Brian had said he wants to have 100 parts per million of phosphorus and a Malik 3 test on your fields in order to raise whatever, 300 bushel corn or whatever our our goal is. And he said, I looked up 300 bushel corn. It only needs 153 pounds of phosphate. So why do you need so much extra? Okay, let's run the math first of all. What is 100 parts per million? What does that mean? Okay, well, let's assume it's a six-inch soil test. So we're going to multiply 100 times two. That's how we convert parts per million to pounds per acre in a six-inch test. So that's 200 pounds that we've got of phosphorus, okay? Then we're going to convert it over to phosphate, so we're speaking the same language, because Adam said, hey, it's going to take 153 pounds of phosphate to raise the crop, raise that yield goal. All right, so you take 200 pounds times 2.3, that's 460 pounds of phosphate. So yeah, it does sound like a lot when you say, well, you only need 153, okay? So roughly, that would be 33% of your soil's phosphorus that you would pull out with this year's crop. I think that's about fair. Phosphorus doesn't move very well at all in soil. So if you take a look at phosphorus levels that you need to raise a good crop, it's pretty much always why you've got to have some extra. Now, am I probably overdoing it? Probably. Okay, so do I have to have 100? Probably not. But This year, we had some spots of 340 bushel corn, all right? So that's going to use a lot more than the 153 that we just talked about. There's variability out in the field. And even though, yes, we're doing one-acre grids and we're trying to get things even, I know that it's still not perfectly even, and I know there are spots out there that aren't quite going to be 100. The other thing is you can look at it one of two ways. You say, well, you only use 33%. But the way that I look at it is I go, okay, well, if I let's just assume that I did use that, and that only leaves me 67 parts per million of phosphorus for next year. Now we're getting down to a level where I go, nah, I'm not real comfortable with that. Uh, and again, this is the Malik 3 phosphorus test. This would be similar to the P2 or strong bray phosphorus test. So this is whole different than the Olson test or the weak bray or P1 test. Those levels are going to be a lot lower because those levels, those tests only show you what's available today. The Malik 3 test is going to be a much higher figure because that shows you what's available today plus a part of what's in reserve in the soil, what they think is going to come available over the course of the next year. So anyway, the, the Malik 3 level will always show higher than the P1 or the Olson test. Okay, so just so we're on the same page there. So yes, when I'm looking at the Malik 3, I like seeing 100 on our farm. And again, um, that's because we're going for bigger yields. And I just, I, I feel like I need to have that out there. It doesn't have to be quite that, but I at least want to be in the general ballpark of getting close to that. And if I did nothing, if I put no fertilizer on even one year, all of a sudden I'm going to draw that way down. It's not going to take me very long, and now all of a sudden I I am really at a critical level. So I always want to make sure I'm staying ahead of it, okay? I, I guess to finish that up, I'd just say keep in mind 
Phosphorus isn't the only thing. We want to make sure that we have other nutrients in ratio. Zinc, copper, have an appropriate amount of potassium, other micronutrients, sulfur. Obviously, you got to have nitrogen out there. There are a lot of different things to be taking a look at. All right, let's jump back to the phone lines here. Got Nolan up in north central North Dakota. How's it going, Nolan? Hey, I'm good. How are you guys today? Good, good. What's on your mind today? Okay, so you guys were just talking about uh, product talc graphite plus some biologicals, and I was thinking about doing something like that, and that certain product, you mixed it like at the last second and then treated your seed with it. Yep. But we always do 1034-0 with a quart of zinc in furrow also. Is that zinc going to hurt that biological product? What kind of zinc? <sighs> Uh, some sort of chelated zinc. I don't remember the trade name of it. Okay, zinc chelates are better than ammoniated zinc or citrate or zinc, zinc. citrate. Uh, so yeah, if it's a chelate or if it's a sulfate, those two are the safest of the zincs. But here's here's the thing, Nolan, and why I'm not too concerned because you're putting these on in separate applications. I mean, yes, it's all ending up in the furrow, but we're, you're not mixing the the one that biological together with that. 1034-0 in zinc, that's in a separate application, a separate spot, and only a little bit of that fertilizer is going to end up on or near that seed. So I'm not super worried about it. I'm glad you're thinking about it, though, because yes, it could technically be a little bit of a concern, but we have tested uh, all these different zinc products with a number of different biologicals, and what we found is they don't kill it immediately. And so since you aren't mixing them all in the same tank, even if they did touch a little bit in the soil and on the seed, your odds of mortality are pretty low. So I wouldn't worry about that too much. I think it's going to be just fine. Okay, perfect. Um, you got time for one more question? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so you guys are raising a lot more silage corn now. What kind of populations are you shooting for? We've My seed guy has been recommending like 24,000, and it seems pretty low. Um, I tried a, a trial this year. I bumped up the population to 30 for a few passes. And then the guy that chopped our corn for us didn't have any good yield data. So I didn't really get a result. Of oh. Well, that's too bad. Um, you know, I, I will say this just as a side note, Nolan, we end up with some of those same kind of things where we go, oh, we're excited about this. We're trying it out. We've planted it. And then something happens with the combine or a silage cutter. And it's like, oh, no, we don't get any data off it. We kind of need the data. But anyway, yeah, we're varying it a lot on our farm. We'll go all the way from 18,000 all the way up to 36,000. And it's really based on soil type. Now, personally, I like a little bit higher population for silage. Um, Darren doesn't think it's a big deal. We have to do more proving it out on our farm over a period of years. We've had some drought conditions here the last three years, so we'll see when we get back to a little bit more normal rainfall. But one of the things, too, that you really want to be careful with is bumping your population too much if you don't have the appropriate amount of potassium in that soil. We talk about this all the time. If you've got a heavy soil, we want to make sure you've got at least 4% base saturation potassium because otherwise your, your stock probably isn't going to be able to handle it super well if a big wind comes along and we just see more lodging and more green snap. So that would be one of the reasons why I would consider staying low for population. On our farm, as soon as we get over 30,000, we're 
pretty certain that that ground is at least 4% base saturation potassium, if not more. Our stuff where we're going 36, I personally like having 5-6% base saturation K, which in terms of parts per million is probably 500 plus. So, I mean, it takes a lot of potassium to make sure we have great stocks if we're going to plant that thick. But yeah, I, I don't mind going a little bit thicker, but it's really dependent on soil type and fertility. Okay, that right. sounds good. Thanks for taking my call, guys. You bet. Thanks, Nolan. Good luck up there. Hey, speak about application at the planter. Um, got a question from uh, HM who says, Hey, guys, what do you think about the planter fertilizer systems that dribble product on top of the ground next to the furrow? Would they work for products such as Proven 40, Decomp, and different micro blends? Well, fertilizer blends you certainly could do. Decomp is labeled wait, for wait, surface wait, application. Wait, 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 wait. Proven 40 is labeled for in-furrow or on-seed, I believe. Okay, so I, the micro-blends is what you mentioned first. With fertilizer, that dribble on the soil surface, I hate it, unless it's in. I'm not saying I like it, but can you do it? You can do about anything, but I think where the I don't think that's truly his question. I think the question is really, is it going to work? Preferred application system, right? Is it going to work? No, it's not. And the reason why is because you've got your phosphorus, potassium, whatever on the soil surface. It's going to take a generation potentially to get it down into the root zone very well. So is it possible a little bit could get into the root zone? It's possible. But if you placed it different, it's all in the root zone. So I'd rather place it different, and then I can get more bang for the buck. So that would be my suggestion. And we'll come back and talk about those other biologicals too. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Can you predict the future? I can't. That's why when I'm planting soybeans, I treat with Heads Up Seed Treatment. With more than 15 years of research, Heads Up offers proven protection against both white mold and sudden death syndrome. So no matter what the year throws at you, you've already taken that first step to be prepared. Don't let your beans suffer from disease when they're just starting to look their best. Tell your seed dealer you need Heads Up Seed Treatment. Learn more at headsupst.com. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. How can you make more profit from your soybeans this year? I'm Darren Hefty. We'll answer that question at our free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop Thursday, February 8th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep into your best options for control of yield-robbing pests, trade options including ExtendFlex and Enlist, fertility, and much more. If you want to make raising beans more lucrative and more fun, come to the free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. 
Do you want to optimize the amount of plant nutrition provided by the microbes in your soil? Source it. Want to replace 25 pounds of nitrogen and phosphorus per acre? Source it. Looking for a more cost-effective way to unlock your crop's potential and increase ROI? Source it. Easy to handle, apply, and store. To make your fertilizer plan more efficient, source it. Learn more at sound.ag. Planting preparation starts as soon as harvest ends. So do successful at-plant strategies. Put time on your side with at-plant inputs, insights, and innovations that help you make the most of next season's planting pass. You're already thinking about seed, inputs, and crop protection when you plan your season. Include them all in your planter to give yourself an at-plant advantage that pays off at harvest. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio, and we're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD or always at radio at agphd.com. Hey, right before the break, we were talking about with the planter, could you lay on the soil surface something like Proven 40 or Decomp? And Darren was talking about the, what the labels say. And look... We always want to follow the label, first of all, but we also have to think about how do we get the most out of any product? What's really the best way to use this product? If at all possible, I want it in this situation. Uh, I mean, I don't know enough about Proven 40 to say you can't lay it on the soil surface, but Darren, I don't think that's the preferred method that... No, um, their preferred method is either on seed or in furrow. Right, okay. So with decomp, it'd be the same kind of thing. Now, there are a couple different ways that that product could be used if you're thinking about it more for nitrogen because we've actually done some studies and it's shown, hey, we're, we're increasing nitrogen there and we're increasing yield. Okay, well, that I'd probably want down in the ground. Decomp is also a, a residue breakdown product that could be sprayed over the top in a broadcast. And so if my goal was I just want to break my residue down, well, then the best way to apply it would be just broadcast <clears throat> over the top. So I'd say it all depends with that one what your object your your final objective is and how best to place it. But yeah, coming back to the fertilizer, I don't like laying it on the soil surface unless again it's nitrogen, sulfur, boron. That that to me makes sense. But with the products that don't move that are they bind very tightly to soil, it's just not the most wise way to put it out there. You can get more benefit this year if you place it differently. So get it down in the ground and you'll have better results. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. We've got Mark with us up in Saskatchewan. How you doing, Mark? Good, fellas. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. It's really warmed up down here versus a week or so ago, so I'm happy about that. Yeah, same same here. We're uh, above seasonal temperatures very little snow we're actually just uh, cleaning up grain bags on the farm today so it makes that job really easy yes thank goodness for that and here we are you know we're almost the end of january and i don't want to jinx anything but we don't have that much more winter left i mean i know it can get bad our big snow months coming up here but uh, even if uh, we have 60 days of winter it won't be the worst winter we've had isn't that the truth yeah there is a it's a, we're getting to that point now, though. It's a lot of guys are starting to 
stress about the lack of precipitation. Yeah, yeah, we we are too. Well, I wouldn't say we're stressed about it, but we don't have much for subsoil moisture right where we farm, so we're going to need some rain in the spring. Yep, us too. So what's the biggest agronomic challenge you got going into this year, Mark? Is it weed control? Is it a crop rotation thing or a disease that you're fighting? Is there is there anything out in the field that you'd say, man, if we can beat this thing this year, we'll, we'll be in good shape? Um, I would say probably uh, one of my biggest problems is uh, uh, foxtail barley on rented land. Slowly picking away at it for the last couple of years. Uh, it is getting better, but still quite a challenge. And on my own farm, I would I would say uh, crop rotation is second on a lot of my clients' minds these days. You know, canola has always been the, the bill payer. And I think a lot of guys are starting to realize that rotation, a, diver, a diverse rotation pays in the long term and in the short. And guys are wondering how they're going to make money on, a, on something like barley or peas or flax or canary seed. Yeah, it sounds wonderful, doesn't it? That oh, we have all these different crops that we can raise, but the the truth of it is, we really need to raise a little bit of everything here, just so we don't have canola in the field every year and have those problems. That's right. Yeah. So it's. I know in the consulting business, we're it's been a lot of focus on return on investment, net return. Right now, you know, how much of let's say peas can I put in without having a headache at harvest time and still keep my canola rotation to three years or more yes yeah the the uh different diseases and and weeds that we've seen uh, it seems like almost everywhere there's something where it's like man i just can't well soybean cyst nematodes even for the soybean guys they're they're considering i might need a longer rotation away from beans and it, it absolutely does make some sense there's no doubt about it you just have to figure out how to make money in between and and really how to make money on not your favorite crop <laughs> for us i would say a lot of guys in our area their favorite crops corn they're great at growing corn and then beans are kind of a uh i i guess i have to raise some beans or, or maybe i have to raise some alfalfa here and there to to spread the rotation out but um yeah, they just, yeah. Uh, like you say, they, they're willing to do a lot of things on canola. Are you willing to do things to make barley or peas or some of these other crops just as successful? Yeah. And so what do you guys, what do you guys, with that thought in mind, what do you think I'm doing on your farm in the next couple of years for rotation? You know, that's a good question. We've, we've been switching things up here. We've got a large dairy next to us, and we've been a, a big corn silage provider for them it would be wonderful if they got some other guys uh, in the neighborhood doing some of that too so we could rotate a little bit differently than than uh, raising as much silage corn as we're doing just uh, i would love to keep some more residue out in the field but we're we're adapting we're doing a lot more cover crops than we ever have and and that has had some mixed results with some of the dry weather that we've had down here so trying to work more cover crops into the rotation i guess yep same with up here, you know, like how, how in a, a semi-arid climate can we make that produce a, a positive net return for us, right? Yes, it's all about the, the net returns that we get to keep farming. Yep. It's, uh, it's too bad. It's, uh, we're always trying to marriage the cattle farmer to the grain farmer and figure out a solution there. And sometimes it just doesn't work and sometimes it works excellent. 
You're exactly right. That's that's the thing with farming that I've learned, I guess, over my farming career is just, yep, what worked last year may not work this year, and you're just constantly adjusting. And and uh, by having a lot of things to spread your risk out, you got the best odds of staying afloat and and getting to do things for multiple years. No doubt about that. Well, Mark, I'm well, glad I'm glad to hear that. Even I know you like the moisture that you don't have that much snow to deal with right now because last winter it just took so much work for us with all the snow. We're like, okay, we need a little break from that. It can just rain in the spring. You know, if you had just a nice two-inch rain, just timely, oh, everything would be much better. Well said. All right. Well, thanks for calling in. Really appreciate it, and we'll talk to you again down the road, Mark. Happy New Year. You bet. Happy New Year to you as well. Yeah, I got to be honest. Usually, I'm praying for drought from about October one. <laughs> Brian until doesn't like the May snow 1. so much. I, don't, I think no. Brian liked it when he was a kid, but I think I that burned out. Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe by the time he was twenty, uh, he was ready for uh, that to go away. Uh, it was a little later than that, but yeah, I don't like the snow. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. It, I, I, it's not like. I can magically make the snow go away. So I know that I live in a part of the country where we're going to have snow. But, yeah, honestly, I'm, I'm usually praying for drought until we get the crop in, and then I would like timely rains after that. So if I could dial it up just for my farm, that's how I would do it. All right, I got three questions from Jared. I'm not sure if we'll get to all three, but I'm going to give it a shot. He said, okay, I already have tough in my post-emerge plan on corn. Could I do a quart to a quart and a half of atrazine pre-emerge without concern in regards to weed management? How much? A quart to a quart and a half. Uh, no, you can't go that be a high. A pound to a pound and a quarter. Yeah, I, w- I went. I, there's no possible way I'd be going that high. So I don't like atrazine at all. We pre-emerge. Don't, we don't like that Too much atrazine. We'd much rather put a half a pound in with the tough. Yeah, that that's really yes. helps tough out. Yeah, at a pound, pound and a quarter, you have to rotate back to corn or sorghum. Your only choices. Okay. Then I uh, said you guys are talking about these nitrogen replacement products again. I'm just curious. I saw you repeated your trial because the nitrogen rate was not cut enough. Uh, are you going to do something different this coming year? What did you think of those results? I don't know that we need to test it again. We found that all the biological nitrogen replacement products work. It's just that if nitrogen's not a yield limiting factor, well, then they're not going to give you any response and you wasted your money. You need, if you don't need the nitrogen, don't spend the money. Is my point. All right. Uh, and then last question. Oh, uh, I think that was it. I think that was all for, for Jared. Last question I got was from Jason. He said, you guys talked about putting different maturities of hybrids. How much maturity gap do you have in one field and how much across the whole farm? Well, in one field, we try to keep it within five days. In, on the farm, uh, will vary about 15 days. It'll be roughly 95 to 110 day corn, or maybe 98 to 113 we've done, but that's pushing a little too far for us. So 95 to 110, spot where I like it. Yeah, it's a big spread, no doubt about that. And and having we just that, like spreading a risk. Yeah, and having a pollination window spread out last year and these last few years of drought for us has made a difference on our farm. We've been really happy with that. So maybe we'll get a year where everything works out great, and then anything we do would work. Thanks for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.